0: Thank you for listening. This is in the studio with Michael Card. My name is Wayne Shepard, and Mike joins us from his home near Franklin, Tennessee. I can't say Franklin anymore, can I, Mike? No,
1: it, we are in, in beautiful downtown Fernvale. Is it Tennessee. downtown?
0: I mean, I've been there. I didn't. I don't remember seeing a downtown. No,
1: no, there's no, <laughs> no, there's no town. There's no nothing. It's just an, it's an area that's yep. called Fernvale. And I'm speaking to you from Misty Vale Flower oh, oh, Farm. Oh, it has a name and, now. Oh yeah. We're working on the
0: logo. Yes. Okay. Tell me yeah. the name again. Misty Vale Flower Farm. Misty Vale. Oh, yeah. wow. it's sounds yeah. so poetic. Yeah. I now, just. Who, did Susan come up with that or did you? No, I came up with that. Uh, oh, I, I should yeah, give you we more credit. Were, <laughs> we were
1: working in the garden all day yesterday. Got a one long row all uh, uh, laid out and, um. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to be a farm hand.
0: Let me just say, you lead an interesting <laughs> life. <laughs> well, today, as listeners stay with us now, we're going to uh, hear a classic interview with Dr. Henry Blackaby and how I look forward to re-listening wow. to that. We did that a number of years ago uh, on the telephone with him when we were recording at the Mole End Studio. We're going to replay that coming up. You know, I... I always loved talking to Dr. Blackaby through the years. I had him on other radio programs, and I did a little two-minute program with him. that I got to introduce him uh, each week. So I did get to meet him a couple of times and talk with him.
1: Yeah, I think one of the the, the great value of this podcast is introducing people like him. If, you, if you've if you never heard him speak or aren't familiar with his work, you know, yeah. uh,
0: you're going to get to meet him and actually right. hear him. It's pretty cool. Well, and the timing's perfect because our featured resource is the CSB Experiencing God Study Bible, which takes his Experiencing God material, his wonderful and excellent best-selling book, Experiencing God, and makes a study Bible out of it. And uh, it's available right now. And people can check it out and look at um, examples from the Bible at csbible.com. So why not take advantage?
1: Before you even buy it, you can check it out online. Yeah.
0: The CSB, yeah. Experiencing God's Study Bible. Check that out at csbible.com. And then later in the program, we're going to return to your teaching series from The Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. You'll take us to John chapter five this time from our series, Walk with Jesus, talking about the man of excuses. So, One of the most unlikable people that Jesus ever encountered <laughs> oh, in the gospel. Oh, well, that's a good tease. All right. <laughs> well, we are going to hear that in just a few yeah. moments after we have Bob Bakke join us on the program here today as well. So all of that is ahead after Michael sings, How Long.
2: How long will you forget, oh Lord?
0: Song of Lament. I think of that song often these days, Michael, when you look at the world and what's going on. You just have to say, how long, O Lord, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's A, a lot of people pray that in yeah. uh, the Bible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to ask our friend, Dr. Bob Bakke, to join us again here this week mm. in the studio. He's on the line right now, as a matter of fact. Bob, good to have you back.
3: Brother, so great to be with you. Thank you.
0: This is a season of transition for you, so I thought among other things we could talk for a moment about transitions and praying through a time of transition whether it's voluntary as it was in your case or not. Sometimes we go through those things and we don't really have, you know, we don't really want to, but there they are. So talk to us about what's going on with you and then uh, praying during transitions.
3: Well, um this this past spring my wife and I stepped out of of uh, the senior pastorate uh we were um senior pastor of a church here in the Minneapolis area for the last 16 years and really it, it's uh, a change of of uh life that we've known for the last 40 years hmm. so it was a voluntary change for us um but it's not essentially a retirement from the gospel ministry no, I I wouldn't expect that
0: of you Bob not at all
3: no I'm transitioning uh, to focus my attention domestically on a on a ministry called One Cry, which is to raise up a single cry out of the heart of the church in America for revival and spiritual awakening. Uh, But then also uh, internationally, a group called the Timothy Initiative, uh, who is uh, devoted to raising up disciples throughout the earth, uh, who then plant churches, and they have been enormously successful. I think they have uh, um, something like 150,000 churches under their belt now over the past 12 12 years. It's uh, the most fruitful thing I've known. So uh, it's a very busy time for us as we anticipate uh, fruitfulness in the gospel. And I I pray that everyone who is going through a transition uh, out of one job into retirement, say, I pray that they'll they'll seek the Lord for their, for fruitfulness.
1: Bob, I, I don't think you understand the basic concept of retiring. It sounds <laughs> to me like you're doing more.
3: Um I, I it's it's just more focused. These these are the things I've been doing for the last uh you know twenty-five years essentially, but this is allowing me now to, to be focused in them and to and to give myself more more uh, fully to them. I also have a screenplay in the in the works, I'm working on a, a film, film screenplay, yes. And I'm rewriting a book that I wrote 20 years ago that needs three new chapters. So, And, and
0: let me guess, those have something to do with prayer, right?
3: Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, and, and what happens when people pray. <laughs> and there's extraordinary grace when we do. Hey, say just
0: a word to the person who is going through a season of transition, but it's not their choice. Sometimes these things come in life, and how do we how do we handle them?
3: Well, there's all kinds of transitions that don't come by choice. Uh, some of them, the death of a spouse, some lose a job, uh, some um, are are ruined by the circumstances of life. Some lose lose children, either either they die or they are are uh, changed in their circumstances in life. Sometimes uh, it's our uh, fault,
0: and sometimes it's not.
3: That's right. Sometimes uh, either one. Um, the the one thing that that we must always remember is that our past is our past, and our future is our future. Um, it's it's a cliche, I know, but today is the first day of the rest of your life, and the past isn't going to change. But God will redeem whatever happened in the past, for the sake of the glory of His Son for the future. So, um, there's hope in your prayers. There's hope in the Savior. And if you could only uh, trust God that in, in the future, and when you look back, you'll see the answers to your prayers and the guidance of the Lord. Uh, in your in your transition today,
1: Bob, I, I wanted to ask you um, because I, you know, because you are a person of prayer and I've learned so much about prayer from you with what's going on in the world right now. And it just seems like uh, prayer is all all we got. Uh, there's so much confusion all over the world. There's so there I mean, the disease, their uh, political unrest. Um, and where, where do we even start in our prayers?
3: Well, you're right, Michael. There is there is trouble almost everywhere that we look, or at least the, the threat of trouble almost everywhere we look. There's the saber rattling abroad. There's there's famine uh, raising its head once again because of the economic uh, difficulties. There's there's bitter uh, bitter um, political fights in our country families are being split apart because of it churches are too there's there's bitterness everywhere it seems or the threat of it I, I one starts with the sovereignty of god um i you know i was reading the other day out of out of isaiah chapter 6 it, it was just part of my early morning devotional when in the year that king uzziah died that is when the king of judah perished when there's a vacancy on the throne a, a vacancy that happened to a man that did not end his his reign well but had brought a sense of well-being upon Israel during his reign in the year that he died when uh, when there was one when, when there was uh, doubts in the land of Israel as to what the future would hold uh, whether they would be subject to their enemies, whether they, the enemies would then take advantage of the vacancy on the throne, whether there would be a good ruler that would come in the future. When, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah marks the day. In this time of uncertainty and unrest within Israel, he saw the Lord high on his throne, seated on his mm. throne, with the robe of his of his uh, of his own, filling the temple, surrounded by seraphs, surrounded by fiery ones, literally in the Hebrew, fiery ones, and their antiphonal praise ceaselessly reigning in heaven uh, over the sovereignty of God. this ha- This is such a contrast to the uncertainty of life and the magnificence of God who reigns over all things. So we start there. We start with, the, with God reigning over the nations of the earth, that there is no surprise in heaven with regard to the issues that we face today. There is no worry in heaven with regard to the, uh, the issues we face today. There is only the inexorable glory of Christ ahead of us, in the reign of God over all things. So we start there, and we start with praise uh, over the nature of God himself.
1: So what you're saying is there's a completely uh, other reality that we need to uh, become connected with through prayer.
3: Yes, there is. But it's not just an other reality that's parallel. It's actually a foundational reality. In other words, everything holds together by the power of the Lord's Lord's work. Uh, He sustains it. He has made it. He has created it. And and it's more real than the reality we're worrying about. Hmm. That's right. That's right. And he is more concerned about the glory of his son and the well-being of his people and the ultimate shalom to come to the earth, the new heaven, the new earth, and all things working together for the the good of God's people. He's more concerned about that than we are. Hmm. And he is is designing all things uh, to that end, to those Mm. ends. And so we have to start there, and we're not always there. And we always have to bring ourselves back to that place. And so that's where we start, with the sovereignty of God over all things.
0: What a wonderful reminder, Bob. It really is. Uh, Michael is going to begin a teaching segment here in a moment, but I wonder if you would close our conversation in prayer right now.
3: Father, we we come before you at a time in history that is just fraught with difficulty and threats. when the definition of humankind, in fact, is is questioned, and where there is a a rebellion against that which heaven has designed. We pray, O Father, in the midst of a, a time when nations are in uproar and kings and rulers and authorities are are in fact conspiring against the Holy One, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of His anointed. And so, Father, we come to You, and we rest upon You. We rest in You, and we know that You are more concerned about these things than anything, but that You have chosen us. You know, just like Isaiah, You didn't send Your seraphs to change the nations of the earth. You called Isaiah, You called people, You called people like us, to stand in the gap and call out to you in times of trouble. And we have the last 2,000 years, we have the last three and 4,000 years, uh, a resume of responsiveness of heaven, that you, O oh Lord, have designed all things to the glory of your name. We trust in that. We call upon it in our day. and We pray, O oh Lord, for a great revival in America, a great spiritual awakening across the land that, Lord, we would be without excuse before you to be intercessors for the sake of your glory and the, and the, the wonder of Jesus' name in our day. So, Lord, we pray to you today, confident that you are, in, in fact, enthroned. And, O oh, Lord, we look to the future, awaiting the great work of heaven in our day. And we pray in Jesus' name and to his glory. Amen and amen.
1: John 5, my NIV notes say the healing at the pool, but my, my title is the man of excuses. I was here once years ago, and I called the, I called the man of excuses a jerk, and when someone was very upset with me that I called someone in the Bible a jerk, and shouldn't use language like that. I was well rebuked. Um, I was well rebuked. So let's, let's look at it. Sometime later, loose chronological connector, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast. Now usually John tells us which feast it is, but this is a time he's made this long journey from Galilee for a feast. So We don't, we don't know which one uh, it is. Um, for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, Beit, house, Chesed, the house of Chesed. Uh, uh, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, so it's a huge complex. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And now, some of your Bibles insert a little uh, passage there that explains they're waiting for the moving of the waters, because in, from time to time an angel would um, that that uh, variant. And there's actually two different variants of that reading. There's a longer one and a shorter one. Uh, That's not in the the, the earliest manuscripts. And so my my NIV puts it down at the bottom. If that bothers you, I hope that doesn't bother you. Um, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When When Jesus saw him lying there and learned, what does that mean? He asked somebody what's up with this guy, right? (laughs) He learned uh, that he'd been in that condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? And you think, oh, how harsh, how politically incorrect, right? To say that to a handicapped person, do you want to get well? Come on, Jesus. Well, Jesus is perfect, right? Correct? It's the perfect question because what we're going to learn is this guy doesn't want to get well. His disease is his identity, right? So, uh, yeah. uh, Do you want to get well? Sir, let me interpret. Sir, the envir replied. I have no one help me in the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else gets down ahead of me. He'd been there 38 years, he can't get in the front of the line? See, he's the man of excuses. That's his first excuse. Because the truth is, he doesn't want to get well. And, and that's sadly true with a lot of us. We just don't want to get well. Um, in my family, we have... There's someone in my family who really struggles with a, a particular issue. And the, the real struggle is, they it's depression. And they, they, that's the world they know. And they don't want... They're afraid to be healed. And... Um, Sometimes it sounds crazy, and sometimes it makes, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, so if someone goes down ahead of me. My note says a flimsy excuse. <laughs> sometimes all that stands between us and Jesus is a flimsy excuse. And so Jesus doesn't engage with them. He knows that. I, it's interesting. This is a new idea for me. Jesus always engages with people at their level in, in terms of what they need. So this guy doesn't need to talk. Right? He doesn't need to be castigated like I'm castigated. He doesn't need that. Um, sidebar, when, you know, Jesus and Martha and Mary, Lazarus, isn't it interesting, they come to Jesus, and we'll see this, they come to Jesus with precisely the same statement. If you'd been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. Martha and Mary say exactly the same thing to Jesus. And Jesus responds to those two women and their question, or their statement, completely differently. I think that's really interesting. He talks with Martha because that's what Martha needs. Okay? When Mary says that, he weeps. Because he knows that Mary needs to see his, see his tears. And that's just part of the detail of who he is. It's not this pat um, answer or, or, or way that he deals with a, a certain problem. It always is sort of taking into consideration the individual person. Because that's what real love looks like. I don't have a pat solution for all your problems, and I'm going to apply that to you. That's not how Jesus works. You know, the best way to love someone, Dr. Lane taught me this a long time ago, the best way to love someone is to listen to them. And Jesus listens. He, he found out what was wrong, how, the, how long the man had been there. That's the heart of Jesus. That's, that's who he is. Okay. So, so the, in answer to the question of how does Jesus deal with this guy, Jesus said to him, Get up. Because that's what this man needed. Another sidebar. You hear people teaching, Jesus could only heal people who had faith in him. Have you heard that teaching? Because every now and then Jesus will say, it's your faith that's healed you. Well, that's him being gracious. That's his gracious self. Jesus, you don't have to have faith in him for healing. He doesn't even have to be there. Go home. Your daughter's well, right? So those kind of rules or conditions... They don't apply to the Lord of the universe. He can make up the rules as he goes if he wants to, right? So this guy has no idea who Jesus is. We're going to find out. One of the reasons I don't like him, we're going to find out that he doesn't he even know Jesus' name, okay? But when Jesus of Nazareth tells you to get up and you've been lame for 38 years and you don't know who he is, what do you do? You get up. Because that's that's part of his absolute lordship. And we don't take that seriously enough. His lordship is absolute. And so if he says, get up, no rules. (laughs) Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Isaiah says, when the Messiah come, the lame will leap like deer. It's a classic sign of of the coming of the Messiah. So I would love to hear the tone of his voice. Get up. I kind of hear it that way. (laughs) And here's the problem. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So whenever you read that in the Gospels, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Hear this. (laughs) Okay? Because with, with one exception, it means he's in trouble. He's in trouble. Okay, now Jesus is perfect, correct? Does Jesus break the law? No. He fulfills the law. He breaks the oral law every chance he gets. He seems to enjoy breaking the oral law. Okay, And by him telling the man to pick up his mat, that's violating the Pharisee's idea of the oral law. So don't, don't, get, don't get confused by that. So the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews... Pharisees Judeans said to the man who'd been healed, "It's the Sabbath, the law, the oral law forbids you to carry your mat in the, in the Mishnah if, you, if you're interested in this, I should have brought my copy uh, It's about60 dollars it's about this thick it's all the it's a collection of the oral law from uh, 200 BC to 280. It's called the Mishnah okay. You can have in your hand the book that basically is the Pharisees' book. It's called the Mishnah. And there are 37, is that, am I reading that right? 39. There are 39 classes of work. And it is mind-numbing. Usually I bring my Mishnah and just open it to any place and read. And it is just mind-numbing, all the rules. So you've got the Mishnah over here. Have you heard of the Talmud? It's like 39 volumes, depending on what edition well, that is a commentary on the Mishnah. Okay? So the Mishnah is kind of like their Bible. It's the Pharisees' Bible. And uh, I have a friend in in uh, in Jerusalem. We were talking about uh, a passage in Jeremiah together. And he's, you know, orthodox. And, uh, and I said, uh, well, you know, what does Jeremiah say about that issue? And he looked at me. He goes, I can't tell you what Jeremiah says. He goes, I can tell you what the Talmud says. Okay? So... Uh, interesting. So, uh, so that's the law. But the man replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. By the way, that's another excuse. The man who made me well said to me, that's, that's the tone, right? And notice, he doesn't even know Jesus' name. He doesn't learn his name. Healed for 38 years. Please join me. In disliking this man. Okay? <laughs> so he, he did that. And by the way, that was an unmiraculous miracle. No lightning bolts from his fingertips. No walk. Right? Jesus says, get up. And that happens because that's how, that's how Jesus operates. Um, so they ask him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away in the crowd. Interesting. He can disappear into the crowd because he looks just like everybody else, right? Later, Jesus found him. Now, I find it interesting that he does that. That, in, that, in, that, in, that implies that he looked for him. Where is that character who was laying here before? Anybody seen him? You know? Oh, he's over there. Okay, thanks. He looks for him. And he finds him. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. He's appealing to the man on his own level, I think. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Pow! You know? <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's the man of excuses. Uh, a, a Kind of a, a character. Yeah, my conclusions are, one... Is there an excuse that's holding you back from getting closer to Jesus? I'm referring to the man of excuses. In our lives, what excuses are we, you know, putting up that, that uh, you know, I can't get in the pool, somebody gets down in front of me, blah, 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 blah. we make up all these lame excuses and, uh, and maybe we need to ask the Spirit to help us to see what those are. And the second conclusion or question is, uh, has your disability become your identity? Because that's really, the man of excuses, that's his problem. He sees himself as his handicap, and that's uh, not, not uh, what, what's meant to be. And then the, the third and the final one is, are your eyes continually being open to who Jesus is and what he means? Um, because we're going to see the, the, the man born blind, he goes through this beautiful process of realizing who Jesus is uh, simply because of the pressure that's put on him Uh, and it's just very endearing, and uh, I love this little man. For some reason, I
0: I picture him as being short. I don't know why. I just love this little guy. Well, short or not, we'll have to wait until next week to hear from Michael about the man born blind. That's John chapter 9, and it's ahead next week here in the studio from this teaching series, Walk With Jesus, recorded at the Cove in the summer of 2021 with Michael. Now, coming up in a few moments, we're going to be hearing a classic interview we did years ago with Dr. Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. And of course, our featured resource is the CSB Experiencing God Study Bible at CSBible.com. In the meantime, if you'd like to contact us, our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page as well. And we'd love to hear from you either way, in the studio at michaelcard.com or Michael Card Music on Facebook. Stay tuned now for that conversation with Henry Blackaby. It's next here in the studio with Michael Card.
1: I'm glad we're partnering with the CSB. I got to see firsthand the way godly scholars work together on this Bible translation. There's so many types of editions available. I hope you'll find one that will
0: help you get serious about reading God's Word. This month, we're featuring the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Based on the best-selling Experiencing God book and Bible study, this revised and updated edition includes immersive features that challenge you to respond to the invitation God offers to know Him, His purposes, and His ways. When you visit csbible.com, search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Now, when you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Take the steps to discovering God in a personal and life-changing way. Look for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. Well, stay with us for our next segment here in the studio with Michael Card, and that begins in just a moment. But Michael, a nice note here from Jack, who says, it was a nice respite for me this week as I'm home with my second round of COVID in 18 months. Spending time in God's Word and among His people is bomb for the soul.
1: Wow. So, uh, Wayne,
0: can you relate to uh, how Jack is feeling? (laughs) Yeah, as we yeah. have this conversation, I'm just over my first round with COVID. I I ducked it for uh-huh. a couple of years. I thought I was immune, you know, with yes. like all the shots and everything that comes with it. But not 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 so. So but yeah, I'm, I'm fine now. Well, I'm fine. Well, I think
1: I just got over my second round. I thought it was exhaustion sickness, but my wife and I both think we had COVID again. Yeah. So yeah. I've had it twice.
0: Boy, it's been with and, us a uh, long time, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it it has, but uh, isn't it amazing how I mean, in in Jack's uh, example here, God uses even COVID. Uh, right. He's at home, right. And he's uh, yep. Yeah.
0: Well, you know what I thought of? Uh, I thought of the wilderness. You know, it's kind of like a wilderness experience, isn't it? You're isolated, you're alone, and and that can be a profitable time with the Lord. So.
1: Well, isn't it good that God uses uh, uh, you know stressful things and, and, and bad things because that's almost all he has to work oh, with.
0: True. Very true. Yeah. Well, let's get to our next segment now. We're going to talk with Henry Blackaby, uh, a classic conversation from the past we had with him about experiencing the triune God. So that's just ahead after Michael sings again for us on the program. This song is called, one word, Hope.
2: Hope has been woven throughout all creation An anchor that holds through the waves Hope is the helmet of each noble soldier For only the warrior who hopes can be brave Hope that you can see is really no hope at all And like children who see faces in the clouds We hopefully listen to the silence of life And find that it is shouting out loud Hope you in the Lord and renew your strength Soar you up on eagles' wings Tirelessly run the long race that's set before you Your life's a song the Father sings though your life may seem to sound a dark and minor key It will someday shift itself to major And the lyric of your life will rhyme with nothing less than joy And you will find that hope is from the one that you believe Hope is an echo in the air all around us It is the sound of heaven's symphony And the hope that is Jesus will never disappoint us It tenderly tells us to hope is to believe Hope you win the Lord and renew your strength Soar you up on eagles' wings Tirelessly run the long race that's set before you Your life's a song the Father sings Has been woven throughout all creation.
0: I thought we'd start uh, by reading a text of scripture found in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, Michael, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and read a few yes, verses please, here please do. starting in uh, verse 24. Uh, it says, "So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship we enjoy the eternal life." he promised us. I have written these things to you because you need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you all things and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So continue in what he has taught you and continue to live in Christ. What we'd like to look at, Doctor Blackaby, is is a practical
1: understanding of how uh, we apply uh, what we know. Uh, Obviously, the Trinity is a mystery, and there are things that we can't put into words. But uh, help us to sort through uh, some of the confusion. I mean, there's there's so much confusion on this topic, and uh, we need your help to uh, apply the scriptures to our lives.
4: Well, as I look at the scriptures, uh, which is our only source for an understanding of the nature of God and the ways of God, nearly always all three persons of the Godhead are always present. For instance, in creation, the Father purposed it, and then Scripture says it was the Son of God who created, and in Genesis it says the Spirit of God brooded over the waters. And in salvation, all three persons are, are involved. And so no matter where you go in the Scripture, Like the passage we read, uh, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and the anointing that Jesus promised that the Father would send his Holy Spirit. So God has manifested himself in three persons, yet one God. But we relate to all three. God's purpose was to put his Son in us and he placed his Holy Spirit in us and he himself takes up residence within us. So we're always involved with all there is of God. He doesn't piecemeal himself. When one person of the Trinity is present, all three are present.
0: Are there distinctions in how we relate to each member of the Trinity?
4: Yeah, I've always, as I looked at the scripture, uh, the Father is always the one who purposes. It's like God so loved the world and God-purposed creation. The purposes of God are always the activity of the Father. But He implements His purposes through His Son, whether it's creation or redemption. And then God has purposed that the Holy Spirit is the one who applies what the Father has purposed and what the Son has accomplished. Mm. So God is the one who planned and purposed our salvation, The Son of God is the one who implemented it for the Father, and it is the Holy Spirit who brings it into reality in our life. And we are born again by the Spirit of the living God. So all three persons are always involved.
2: I don't
1: think I've ever heard it quite so clearly put, but the the Spirit then empowers uh, what Christ has accomplished and what God desired or willed.
4: Yeah, you can always see that when the Holy Spirit is doing something. It is always based on what the Father has purposed and what the Son has accomplished.
0: Mm-hmm. How, does, uh, how does one then relate to each member of the Trinity? How does a believer properly relate to each?
4: Well, for instance, uh, if you were to say, Lord Jesus, how should I pray? He said, well, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, mm-hmm. hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So you relate to the Father, as Jesus told us to. You talk to, the, to God the Father as the Father and the one who's purposing. But then he says, you need to pray in Jesus' name. And so I say, Father, everything you've accomplished in Christ is the reason that I can come and talk to you. So I come in Jesus' name, that is, in all that Christ has accomplished to make it possible for me to come. And then the scripture says the Holy Spirit's the one who helps us to pray. And so I say, Holy Spirit, would you help me as I now pray? So the believer relates to all three persons, and I usually relate according to their assignment or how they've revealed themselves. uh, Can you give an example of that? Well, when I pray, I say, Father, I've come to do your will, but I cannot come to you apart from what Jesus has provided for me. So I come with him. He is the intercessor. So, Father, I come with him, but you told me that you have given me your Holy Spirit. So I come to you with the Holy Spirit's enabling. Father, I thank you that all there is of you, all your fullness, is now present and active in my life.
1: It sounds to me like the, the, the focus in, in your address is, is directly to the Father. Uh-huh. We we not long ago talked to someone who, in their prayers, had had begun praying to each member of the Trinity, and I never quite understood that.
4: Well, I I never relate to to, to one without relating to the other.
1: Uh-huh.
4: I'm always relating to all the fullness of God, and I think of uh, even in John uh, uh, 14, which is a strong uh, passage on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But also he says. Now, if you obey what I command, Jesus said, then my Father will take up residence within you, and he will love you, and I will take up residence within you, and I will love you, and we will come and take permanent residence with you. Mm -hmm. And so I just take the scriptures. Basically, I pray from the scriptures. So whatever scripture I'm involved in, uh, I'm looking at the truth of God, all the truth of God. So I pray from that scripture when I talk to God.
0: Dr. Blackaby, verse 27 in First John chapter 2, once again it says, But you have received the Holy Spirit and lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you all things, and what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. Um, I guess my question is, what is the place for teaching, then, if we have the Holy Spirit um, within us to teach us truth?
4: Well, you remember Jesus also in John 14 says, uh, that uh, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and then 16, he will teach you all things. And so he is our primary teacher. But the Holy Spirit also enables those who have been assigned to be teachers. Mm-hmm. And, I see. And, and Paul, in, in Ephesians 4, says, God has assigned some who are pastor teachers. Now, the Holy Spirit has to enable them To be that teacher. So when I listen to a person teaching, I'm also very alert to the Holy Spirit bearing witness in me that what he's teaching is true and he is the one who is teaching through them.
0: Michael, we talk a lot about the body of Christ and living in community, biblical community. Mm-hmm. This is another picture of that, really.
1: And and uh, according to what Dr. Blackaby has said, then it's the Holy Spirit that empowers that community and makes us one. Is that, is
4: yeah, that right? Yeah, no question about that. Uh, and the Holy—for instance, it's interesting when in John 16 he says, now the Spirit of truth, he'll guide you into all truth, but he'll never speak on his own initiative But whatever he hears, that's what he speaks. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, who's he listening to? Well, the Father. So when the Father teaches him, when the Father says, Holy Spirit, I've assigned you to make sure that Henry does not miss my will for his life. And so the moment the Holy Spirit knows what the Father is assigning for my life, he then is working in me to make sure that I know what the Father's will is for my life. Jesus said the same thing. He said, "Now I never speak anything to you except what I heard from my Father."
1: Hmm. We keep referring back to these uh, this passage between John fourteen and uh, fifteen and sixteen. This long walk that the disciples have to gethsemane uh, after. Um, uh, the Jesus washes the the disciples' feet in thirteen, and it it in particular, I, I mean, it's touching to me that Jesus has on his heart and on his mind uh, this desire to clarify uh, what's going to happen by means of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he again and again he returns to the Holy Spirit. He talks about unity. Uh, he talks about this person. When Jesus says, "So that I." may be in them. It's in the same breath that he's been talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, I just find that touching, that his concern is so much that we understand uh, this Paracletos that he's going to send, who's going to stand beside us and comfort us and be our advocate uh, before he goes to be with the Father.
4: Yeah, and, and if you remember, again, my mind goes right across scriptures. And, and I think of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now no one can ever call Jesus Lord, except by the Spirit. Mm. So his assignment is to make sure that I understand and respond to Jesus as Lord. Now, why why is that so important? Because that's what the Father has designed. Mm. The Father has given all authority and everything into his Son, and then the Father put his Son in me, but then the Holy Spirit is present to activate in me an understanding and relationship to Jesus Christ as Lord So if I walk in harmony with the Holy Spirit, then I will walk in harmony with the Son as well. And Romans 8 is very strong uh, when it says those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the spirit of adoption helps us to cry, Abba, Father. And he bears witness. And he helps us to understand that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Now, you notice all three persons of the Godhead are noted there. Mm -hmm. And so the Father is the one who has his will for us. The Son of God is the one who has implemented that on the cross and the resurrection and now the intercession. And the Spirit of God makes certain that the living Christ who is within us is very real and very personal. And we walk in harmony with what the Holy Spirit is teaching and sharing and pointing out.
1: Dr. Blackaby, your your understanding is so so clear and systematic, and above all, biblical. Uh, but but what about the mystery of it? Uh, where does that fit into uh, your understanding?
4: Oh, everything about God is a total mystery. Mm-hmm. I mean, God Himself cannot be uh, understood uh, as thoroughly as we want to. And then when it talks about Christ, it says the unsearchable riches of Christ when it talks about his love and to be filled with all the fullness of God is an incredible mystery Mm -hmm. and then when you put it all together uh, I'm so grateful we're talking about God and not man because God is God and he is uh, knowable um, but he leaves himself in total mystery so that we have to trust him Mm -hmm. we have enough to trust him and he said, "If without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. Now, when we come to God, we need to believe that he is. That is, he is everything he's revealed and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. So as a pastor, when someone is confused, I say, oh, well, let me give you this scripture. You need to come to the scripture and let God make himself known in all of his fullness as he knows you're able to handle it. Mm-hmm. And remember, those who seek him with all their heart will come to find and know and experience him as they're capable of doing it. And you'll spend a lifetime, basically, we'll spend eternity, and we still will never have plumbed the depth of the nature of God. There's so many great mysteries, including why he chose us. Huh? And I'm grateful for the mystery.
0: Oh, amen. If uh, I could
4: understand everything, I'd be in bad shape. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Henry Blackaby is with us in the studio by way of telephone today here with Michael Card. I was just looking ahead in 1 John chapter 3, Dr. Blackaby, where he says, those who obey God's commandments live in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And as I read your books, and we've talk through the years, the, I hear you saying that our primary call is a call to obey, and I'd like for you to address that
4: for a moment. Yeah, because he's God, and he never speaks except he has his will and his purpose in mind. And, and if you were to take passages like 1 first, first, uh, Corinthians 2.10, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, hasn't even entered the heart of man the things that God has, revealed, has, has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So when the Spirit begins to guide us, he is leading us into an experience of all the fullness of God. And obedience is crucial. If I don't obey anything the Holy Spirit is telling me, I'm shutting myself off from all that God has prepared for those who love Him.
0: Hmm. Michael, recently I was uh, on the Moody Broadcasting Program Open Line with Dr. Blackaby. I don't know if you recall Dr. Blackaby, but a caller uh, phoned in that night and admitted that he'd been running from God yeah. uh, for a long time. And your, your simple statement back to him was, why would you run from
4: the God who loves you so much? Yeah. that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And why would I resist and grieve and quench the Holy Spirit of God, whose purpose is to bring me into the experience of all the fullness of God. Hmm.
0: And then another statement uh, that I've read and interacted with you about that I'd like for our listeners to hear again is the the profound statement that partial obedience is disobedience.
4: Boy, that is true, and that's true all the way through the Scriptures. Uh, King Saul kept saying Samuel but I have obeyed and Samuel's reply was I've just come from the presence of God and God says you've disobeyed and some people feel one degree off is not really off but one degree off is totally off and partial obedience is total disobedience but we want to turn to God and say well why don't you remember all my obedience and he said, because it's your disobedience is cutting you off. And when Saul suddenly was faced with that, he said, partial obedience has just lost him his kingdom.
0: You know, that picture you gave us a moment ago, one degree off. Think about that. You start in the center and you start out just that one degree in the wrong direction. Over time, you're, in the, you're way out there, way, way away from the core.
1: Well, it points to the fact that it can only be accomplished by the grace of God. I mean, any human attempt, it's going to be one or more degrees off, I would think, and only God's grace is going to give us that uh, perfect obedience.
4: Yeah, and that's why I think God, uh, the Lord says, you need to be perfect as your heavenly Father, mm-hmm. and heaven is perfect. And, of course, the human reasoning says, well, no one's perfect. Yeah. And I said, then, uh, what else are you going to mark off your scripture? You better listen to him. He's trying to tell you that all the provision that God could possibly give you to help you to live in that holy relationship to God is present, available, and active in your life. You've got to have a heart that wants to be as he is. Mm
0: Well, Dr. Blackaby, we have just a few seconds left and we're going to ask Michael to sing an appropriate song here, a song that talks about uh, freedom for those who obey, his song, Join the Journey. But I'm wondering if you would close our time with a, a, a prayer here, a brief prayer.
4: I would. Heavenly Father, what an incredible revelation. You have come to us and let us know that you love us from eternity and you love us with a perfect love. And in spite of all of our sin. You yourself in love provided everything we need to have full and total fellowship with you. Help us to believe you. And when we come to you, obey you. For your heart wants us to experience everything that you've purposed from the very beginning. Guide those who listen to simply pray and release their life to you in all your fullness to help them in their relationship with you. And in Jesus' name we pray.
2: There is a joy in the journey There's a light we can love on the way There is a wonder and wildness to life And freedom for those who obey And all those who seek it shall find it. A pardon for. To eternity Stranded in time And weary of Struggling with sin Forget not the hope That's before you And never stop Counting the cost Remember the hopelessness When you Journey There's a light we can love.
0: A fitting song from Michael that brings us to the end of this session in the studio. And if this hour has been used by the Lord to encourage you to become more intentional in living out your faith, we hope you'll let us know. Several ways to do that. You can post a review of this podcast. You can pass along a link to a friend or email your reactions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. And we look forward to reading your email. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. Stay current with Michael's ministry and interact with other listeners when you check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page. And we're glad to point you to the wonderful resources from our sponsors of the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month we're featuring the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Based on the insights from Dr. Henry Blackaby's teaching, this unique study Bible is designed to help you experience God personally. When you visit csbible.com, search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Now, when you order, use the promotion code CARD40, type with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Look for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. Join us again next week for another podcast session. Now, for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We're glad you've been with us in the studio with Michael Card.